And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. potatoes and welcome back to another episode yes welcome back <laughs> sorry i keep trying not to say woohoo yeah please please do not woohoo i am so sick right now as we're recording this i actually tested negative for covid and the flu but they think i might need to be tested again tomorrow because they said it might just be too early to test, but I feel like crap. So, sorry if I sound a little under the weather. It's because I am. <laughs> it's because you are. Yeah, no, we just had the flu here in our house. And, like, right after last week's episode, because I got the cold, right? And then a couple days later, I got the flu. And then the next di- night, one of my twins got it. And then the next night, the next twin got it. And then we thought we were in the clear. And now last night, my littlest one got it. So I'm running on like two hours of sleep. Uh, Yeah, same. It's the worst. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, what is your snack today, Kins? Uh, Diet Dr. Pepper as always. And then I actually just finished a piece of cake. (laughs) Nice. So... Funny story real fast. Uh, One of our listeners was also my secret sister in a wife group I'm part of. And so she gave me a bunch of snacks, including cake, because I ate a piece of cake one of our earlier episodes. (laughs) So she she brought a little birthday cake Uh for the Pokemon. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. That's awesome. That's such like a cute idea, though. I know. It's so sweet. So I do have some for you, Ash. She she sent some for you as well. So I will make sure I get those to you. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. So shout Thank out you. to Kendra. To fellow listener slash secret sister. <laughs> what about you, Ash? What are you snacking on if you can snack? <laughs> yeah. I haven't had anything all day, but I'm starting to be able to eat. Hopefully that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, upchuck it later, but (laughs) I just have my water. Good. Trying to stay stay hydrated. hydrated. Yeah. And and then I found some beef jerky on my husband's (laughs) nightstand, so I stole it. (laughs) It's mine now. Ooh, what kind of beef jerky? It's teriyaki. Mm, The best. It's pretty good. All right. Well, are you ready, Ash? <laughs> As you take a bite. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah, sorry if you hear me chomping jerky in the background. I haven't ate in like 20 hours, so. I get that. I get that. All right. So it's my turn this week. And I am doing the case, The Mysterious Death of Joshua Maddox. It is also known as the boy found in the chimney case. Okay, when I heard the name, I was like, oh, that kind of sounds familiar. 
But then you said that, and now I'm like, I have no idea if I've heard this one. So, well, I am excited. Buckled in. Buckle down. What is the term? <laughs> buckle up. Buckle up. I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't it be buckle up? I don't know. It's a great start to 2024. I know. I mean, we're just sick, okay? All the time. We'll get there. We will get there. All right. My sources are the Crime Salad podcast, the Unresolved podcast, Reddit, strangeoutdoors.com, the Denver Post, murdermurder.news, murdernation.com, mayoclinic.com, and betterhealth.vic.gov. We ready? Here we go. Let's do it. On May 8th, 2008, 18-year-old Joshua Josh Maddox told his sister he was going to go for a walk. Josh loved being outside and hiked or walked alone often, so this wasn't unusual for him to do. When Josh didn't return home that night, it didn't worry his family too much as he would sometimes camp out in the woods overnight and knew how to take care of himself. But after five days of not seeing or hearing from Josh, his father reported him missing. Along with the police, his family and friends searched the woods for Josh, hoping to find anything to let them understand what happened. Unfortunately, nothing showed up. Seven long years later, Chuck Murphy was demolishing his cabin when workers discovered a mummified body in the chimney. That body would later be revealed as Joshua Maddox. Okay, real fast. How old was he again? 18. 18. Okay, first, I kind of was like thrown off when the family was like, oh yeah, he just stays out in the wilderness sometimes and he's fine. <laughs> I was just like, uh, are you sure he's okay? Um, I don't know. That was just kind of weird to me at first, but now. Yeah. I mean, every family is different, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And we're in Colorado, right? You said Denver. So we're not in Denver, Oh, but we are in Colorado. We are going to Woodland Park, Colorado, which is near the Pike National Forest or in the Pike National Forest area. Okay. So the forest is his backyard, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well... I'm excited to see what else you have for us because (laughs) I want to know how his body got there. Like, what happened? All right. Joshua Maddox was born on March 9th, 1990. He lived in Woodland Park, Colorado, right there in the Pike National Forest area. His parents were divorced and he lived with his dad, with his dad, Mike, and two sisters, Kate and Ruth. Josh was known to have a fairly high IQ. He loved music and spent a lot of time writing or playing guitar. Josh also had a carefree attitude to life. He loved being outdoors, hiking, and camping. Unfortunately, tragedy struck the Maddox home on June 1st, 2006. A week before his high school graduation, Josh's older brother, Zachary, committed suicide after suffering from severe depression. Zachary's death came as a shock to the Maddox family and especially to Josh. Josh looked up to his brother and thought highly of him. According to Mike Maddox, Josh's dad, quote, it was so difficult on Josh. When his brother died, it pushed him over the edge, end quote. Despite the shock and sadness that overtook Josh after his brother's death, he bounced back. The family had worked hard to heal. He was doing well and was genuinely happy with life. Josh Maddox was known at school for his intelligence and distinct style. 
He kept his hair long and often wore a top hat. And instead of a backpack, he used a briefcase. He was easygoing and a friendly kid. At the time of his disappearance, he stood at six feet tall and about 150 pounds. Again, when Josh left the house on May 8, 2008, it wasn't out of the ordinary. And after being reported missing on May 13, 2008, police officers asked if he would hurt or kill himself. Despite their history with Zachary, the family couldn't fathom that Josh would do the same. And after interviews with friends and family, police were inclined to agree, and the search continued on. After months of searching, nothing turned up. And Mike even searched, uh, Josh's dad even searched homeless shelters, and everywhere he went, he was always looking at faces just to see. Josh's sister, Kate, hoped he had just left town to go and play music or start a different life. Kate also later wrote of her brother's disappearance, quote, Since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have... I have always believed this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so that they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods, end quote. The police had no reason to suspect foul play, so they listed him as a missing person, and life went on. So, I don't know why, I just realized they waited five days to report him missing. Yeah. Which, at first take, is a little weird. Like, five days, that's a long time, but then they said it was normal for him, so... Yeah, and plus he was 18. I feel like when your kid is 18, you can't really tell them what to do as much anymore i guess yeah yeah that's fair and it was something that he all he grew up doing and stuff with his family so when he started doing it by himself too it wasn't it was normal yeah yeah interesting it's about to get more interesting uh, Chuck Murphy, an 80-year-old builder from Colorado Springs, had decided it was time to demolish his old wood cabin in Woodland Park. It was old, decaying, and just falling apart. So it was time. Chuck had purchased the cabin in the 1950s. The cabin was formerly the Homestead and Thunderhead Ranch, an infamous dining, drinking, and gambling complex owned by Big Burt Burge. Bergstrom in the 1930s to the 1950s. Big Burt ran the Thunderhead Inn as a dining and drinking establishment after the end of prohibi Prohibition. And according to legal documents, Big Burt used the ranch for illegal gambling and prostitution, which caused the effect. Oh my gosh, why am I stumbling? <laughs> it's okay. Blech. All right. According to legal documents, Big Burt used the ranch for illegal gambling and prostitution, which caused the FBI to arrest him and put him on trial. I personally thought this was really interesting because I really like history, but that's kind of going off topic of why we're actually talking about this case. So my bad. That's <laughs> okay. Anyways, Chuck Murphy said the cabin hadn't been used much over the last 10 years, and since his brother moved out in 2005, it had become more of a storage facility. Animals had been a problem for Chuck, and so he had taken measures to secure the cabin from the animals. 
When Chuck showed up with his workers on August 7, 2015, getting ready to make way for property development, he noticed an awful smell inside the cabin, but assumed it was a dead, rotting rat or some other animal. As Chuck and his workers began dismantling the chimney with an excavator, they made an awful discovery. A body of a young man cramped up into a fetal position with his legs above his head. All work stopped and the police were called along with a county coroner. With the help of dental records, the body was identified as missing 18-year-old Joshua Maddox. This came as a shock to the Maddox family. The cabin was only two blocks away from the Maddox family home. The search of the cabin was overlooked as there was no sign of life. Chuck Murphy himself rarely visited, and when he did check in, he never noticed anything unusual or disturbed on the property. And if this was a freak accident, the cabin was surrounded by tall pines, had no close neighbors, that if Josh had cried for help, no one would have been able to hear him. I'm just kind of baffled. How the freak did he get in the chimney? We'll get there. What? (sighs) Okay, let's go. (laughs) Al Bourne, the Teller County coroner, did the autopsy and found no evidence of any drugs in Josh's remains. He said of his findings, quote, The hard tissue showed no signs of trauma. There were no broken bones, no knife marks. There were no bullet holes. There is so far no answers to a number of things. It is very confusing. It was not an instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation. But we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days. And the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which came first. End quote. I'm just, I don't even know. I'm trying to like in my head picture this. Maybe that sounds weird. I'm just trying to picture this. Him upside down like in the chimney. I don't know. How did he... How did he get there? I don't know. We'll get there. Kind of. Maybe. Evidently, on September 28th, 2015, Al Bourne made the ruling of accidental death. He speculates that Josh climbed into the chimney and became stuck in the brickwork. Al Bourne stated that Josh's position in the chimney, quote, appeared to have been a voluntary act to gain access, end quote. He said the most likely cause of death was hypothermia because the temperature around the time of his disappearance in May of 2008 had dropped to the high 20s Fahrenheit or negative 6.7 degrees Celsius. But there are some strange discrepancies to the coroner's report. Weird things that don't add up and don't make sense that Josh was trying to gain access to the cabin. For one, during the construction of the chimney, it was fitted with a thick wire mesh that hung from steel hooks to keep animals and debris from becoming lodged inside the chimney or from entering the cabin. Chuck Murphy stated, quote, It was a heavy wire grate, a wire mesh. I installed it across the chimney about one row of bricks from the top. We didn't want trouble with raccoons and things getting into the chimney. End quote. So it was cemented in a layer into the brickwork from the top. Yeah, so it's almost like he would have had to enter the chimney from the inside. Let's keep going. Ah. So the coroner responded to Chuck Murphy saying that no metal mesh was found. 
that it wasn't in any pictures investigators had taken at the scene. Chuck Murphy retorted with the fact that before starting the demolition of the chimney and cabin, all metal scraps were collected from on and around the cabin. Seeing that Chuck Murphy made a point, Alborn reopened the case just three days after his original conclusion. The metal bars across the chimney wasn't the only thing that sparked doubt about the autopsy. Upon discovery of the body, investigators found that inside that inside the cabin, a large solid wood breakfast bar had been torn from a wall in the kitchen and dragged over to the chimney, pushed right up next to the chimney, blocking the opening of the chimney completely. Furthermore, Josh's body had been found in the fetal position with his legs above his head and disjointed from his torso. That meant that if he had climbed in the chimney, he would have, he would have, oh my gosh, he would have had to have gone head first to get into that position. Not to mention that early on, Al Bourne, the coroner, had made the comment that he thought it would have taken two people to position Josh inside the chimney in such a way. And it gets weirder. When they found Josh's body, he was wearing only a thin thermal shirt. Nothing else. His clothes or his socks, shoes, pants, underwear, everything else were found inside the cabin, neatly folded up next to the fireplace. What the heck? I am speechless. <sighs> yeah, there's there's no way this was an accident. I just, I don't see it. Let's keep going. <laughs> but after all that and reopening the case, the revised autopsy report concluded that the death was accidental. However, Al Bourne did admit that finding Josh's clothes folded inside the cabin was perplexing and said, quote, We don't know why he took his clothes off, took his shoes and socks off, and why he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney. It was not linear thinking. End quote. He then followed up with this statement, quote, We've come up with the most plausible explanation, and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney. That's our conclusion. End quote. Even after the revision, Chuck Murphy disagreed and told the press, quote, There's no way that guy crawled inside that chimney with that still webbing. He didn't come down the chimney. End quote. Chuck Murphy wasn't the only one who disagreed with the coroner's report. Many locals had issue with it, and even the family couldn't wrap their minds around it. Despite the coroner's report, many theories have come up surrounding Josh Maddox's death, and some even investigated by police. But we will discuss those theories in part two of this episode, which will be released next Ah, <laughs> I I am looking forward to next week because I am like I don't know speechless like you said earlier. Yep. Immediately, I think there is no way it was accidental. If there was that mesh wire, like thick wire that was cemented in to the chimney. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I can't get my mind around 
what the coroner said that he claims that Josh got into the chimney or got into the cabin, pushed up the breakfast bar against the chimney, stripped off his clothes, went back outside, climbed onto the roof and went headfirst down the chimney. Like that is what the coroner is. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. to me. Yeah. That there's no, no potential reason at all for that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to next week. Yeah, so you'll have to wait until next week. Sorry, guys. We'll discuss the theories a little bit more. There'll be two kind of shorter episodes, or this week and next, just to break it up a little bit. So it wasn't like an hour-long episode, but hey. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you, and I can't wait to hear everyone's theories on Instagram and what you're going to share with us next week thank you for listening and we will see you next week for part two of this episode stay safe potatoes bye